Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 22 and 2 Peter chapter 1. Luke chapter 22, 2 Peter chapter 1, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Don't Look Anywhere But to Jesus. Don't look anywhere but to Jesus. Now when I think of our beloved Pastor Peter, as we've been studying through 1 Peter, he's so encouraging to us in our walk in the Lord. He encourages us both in his letters and especially by his life. First, when I study the life of Peter, I notice that I'm so much like him. So many of the attributes that I see in him, I've seen in myself. I will often talk instead of listening. I find myself sleeping when I should be praying. I step out impulsively when I should be standing still. And oh, by the way, I stand still when I should be stepping out and obeying God. Peter made these huge mistakes, but Jesus loved him still. That's so beautiful to me. He made all of these mistakes, and he often becomes this little kicking post, if you will, for the jokes for pastors and teachers. But when I look at the life of Peter and I do an in-depth study of his life, a character study, a lot of the things he's done, I've done. A lot of the things he's done, I do. And I'm encouraged that Jesus loves me still too. The second thing that Peter encourages us in is that despite when I'm remembered and when you're remembered, I won't be remembered by my failures, but I'll be remembered, my life will be remembered by God's faithfulness. Because we do remember Peter's failures, not like we can forget them, but the big picture of Peter is, man, God is faithful in his life. That even when he was unfaithful and faithless, God remained faithful, restored him and used him. That's why I want you to see in chapter 22 of Luke. It's one of those insights into the life of Peter. Notice with me in verse 31, would you? Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Now just imagine for a moment being Peter, listening to Jesus. This is Jesus Christ speaking to Peter. Just kind of put yourself in his, in his shoes. The Lord has said, Simon Sidon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. And you just pause there and you, you, you have to wonder, right, in that one line there, if Peter goes, well, what, what did you tell him? <laughs> what did you say? But the answer was this, I've prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And by the way, verse 33, I believe is a sincere response for Peter. I believe he believes it. And I believe he would have done it. How do I know that? Or why do I believe it so strongly? Because you know in the garden, he was willing to take out, he was willing to lay his life on the line for Jesus by pulling out his sword. It wasn't the right thing to do. It was an impulsive decision. But he was ready to lay his life down for his savior and his best friend. I think he was willing to do, I think he was there in this way. He didn't really know himself, kind of like you and me. We don't fully know ourselves, like God is revealing that to us. There are times when we think we're stronger than we really are, and there's also times when we think we're weaker than we really are. So God is revealing his character, his nature, his power in our lives. 
So even today, as you're taking an assessment of your life, and you're like, you know, I'm just such a weak person. I'm just never going to amount to anything. I'm just so filled with failures. You're right. There may be failures in your life right now. I don't want to minimize that. Take it seriously. If it's sin, repent. Come to the Lord. Have godly sorrow. But you know, you're not as weak as you think you are because the Lord's in your life. He's your strength. And then others of you know it. You don't understand, Pastor. I'm so strong right now. I've never been stronger. I'm just in the best time in my life. And I'm so, you know, no, you better take, take heed. They, he who thinks he won't, you know, take heed lest he fall. Be careful. Knowledge puffs up and love edifies. He who thinks he's something is nothing. He knows nothing as he ought yet to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Peter made it through. And I think he believed this. I, I think he meant it. And then, of course, verse 34 is Jesus predicting that he would deny him, and he did. And I was thinking back, you know, through it all, you know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is praying for me too. And he's praying for you right now. Did you know the Bible teaches us? We learned it in Hebrews 7. You'll remember a few years ago when we were in Hebrews, it says that he always lives. This is Hebrews 7, 25, that Jesus always lives to make intercession. He's praying for you and me, praying that our faith should not fail. And Peter made it, and he steadied on because Jesus prayed for him. And it's the same for us. We're people that want to do right. We want to live holy. We want to be good and live godly, but we mess up more than we want. We understand that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. But even now, right here in this moment, Jesus knows the things we're facing the things that are in our lives, the situations surrounding us, and he's praying for us. He's praying for us. That's who writes Peter in the second letter here that's known as Second Peter. It's the man that's remembered by his faithfulness. A man of great failure, but a man of great failure wrote two books of the Bible and was in a prominent, he was a prominent vessel and tool in the hand of God. And here he is, writing to us this second letter. It was written a couple years later after 1 Peter. It has a different feeling to it. Those of you that read ahead, has a different feeling to it, a different theme. Peter's audience is the same group of people, but the theme is different. Now in 2 Peter, he's addressing persecution and difficulty from believers. Having to deal with the difficulty of believers in troubling times. There were problems from the outside. Yes, that's what we saw in 1 Peter. 2 Peter, problems from the inside. And yes, there are always problems among us from other believers and even make-believers that are among us. False teachers poison the church. False believers they love to take advantage of persecution, weakness, and division. Here we are. So what a perfect timing of the Lord. We're in a place after great division. I mean, great division is still with us. We had the year of having to deal with the effects of restrictions and COVID and all that. Now we've got the year to see what the results are. You're always looking, oh, I can't wait to get back to normal, which will never be. So now that we're in a new season, now we're going to begin to see the results and the revelation of these tests upon believers. And let me just say, it will not all be enjoyable, perhaps even for you in your own personal life. It will not be enjoyable to see what had taken resident in your own heart, 
They got shaken up by a rough year, and now God's saying, okay, now, now what? Now what will you do? Now how will you live? You've endured probably the most difficult global trial that you've ever experienced in your entire life, and you made it through. Now what? Is your faith strong? Are you following God or are you following a man? Are you elevating his word or someone's opinions? Now the real test comes as the results of the difficulties that we all endured. And it was an endurance, you know, like we learn in Hebrews, you have need to endure. Well, the believers here in First and Second Peter, they also endured great persecution, death, destruction, their property taken from them, loss in their community. And there's always problems on the outside. There's always outward attacks. There will always be issues with the government and there will always be people that hate Christianity, always be people to try to change Christianity. But you know, there are also problems on the inside of every church too. Difficulties from believers. I read it once, I don't remember where, but I read this once and I quote, the devil loves to fish in troubled waters, end quote. So he's troubling everything up so we're all distracted and all freaking out and then boom, the enemy got you. It doesn't have to be a church. I mean, he'd love to destroy this church. He'd love to destroy Grace Church. He's successfully destroyed entire denominations, getting leaders off track, leaving the word of God. And he would love to destroy your faith in your home. Problems from the outside and problems from the inside are equally painful, but perhaps the greatest pain comes from inward problems, betrayals, defections, divisions. They have a way of stinging a little bit more. People that you thought were strong not walking with the Lord anymore. That hurts, doesn't it? That was your friend. You, you, you shared a meal with them. You, you used to talk about the things of God. You studied the Bible together. You were in sweet fellowship, and now they're, they betrayed the Lord. And don't you feel it as a personal betrayal? Even though it wasn't toward you. Remember, Elijah felt that. Nobody's around, nobody's around. And God said, no, 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 I, I've got people reserved you don't even know about. But he felt the weight of the nation of Israel turning their back on God. You, you think the difficulty of Samuel, where he's looking for the next king and everyone wants a king, wants a king, wants a king, and it broke his heart. But what did God say to him? God said, no, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. But we feel the sting of people rejecting God personally. How about those that come in with false teachings and they draw people after themselves? Heretics, literally. Taking advantage of people in their most vulnerable moments. And that's what happens in churches. Peter writes to this encourage, uh, writes to encourage and exhort these discouraged believers to control, go, continue to grow in their faith. So notice, pick up with me in verse one. Same group, few years later, things have gotten harder, not easier, and Chapter one, verse one opens. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, Jesus our Lord. Verse three. As his divine power has given to us all things, you might want to mark that, given to us all things, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, 
by which have given us to given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust notice how peter opens up he doesn't open up with apostle what does he open up with mark that word bond servant for you bible students you may already have this written down but this is the greek word doulos D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos. It is a specific word used to describe a servant who voluntarily gives up his or her rights and privileges to devote their entire life to serve someone else. It is a voluntary choice to give up your personal rights and privileges and devote your life to serve someone else. And it's so encouraging to know that the place of the doulos is a place of surrender. It is a place of safety and security for that person. You know, it would be many times slavery in the New Testament would be a place where you would work. It would be more of an employer-employee relationship that we would compare where you would work off a debt. Uh, It's a lot more harsher than our employee-employee Uh, employer relationships today, but the idea was many times they would work off a debt. After they would work off a debt, they had a choice. They could take their freedom and leave, or they could take their freedom and stay, because a love relationship would be developed between the master and the servant. There would be a love relationship developed between the servant and the family. And there would be such care and concern that would be given that once the freedom was earned and the debt was paid off, you could take it and go or you could take it and stay. Listen, when you were born again, you made a voluntary choice to surrender yourself to the headship and leadership of Jesus Christ. And that was a very wise and safe decision. You made a safe decision when you trusted your life to Jesus. You became a doulos one who's in a permanent relation of servitude, that your relationship, you know who your master is, and let me just say, many of the problems that's in the room right now, many of the problems of you guys listening on the radio right now have everything to do with your unwillingness to surrender your life to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're just playing games with Christianity. You're just going through the motions. You have not surrendered or you have pulled away from the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because when you are serving Lord Jesus, you don't have a choice. You've already made that choice. You made the choice to surrender as a servant. I remember years ago when uh, one, of the, one of the opportunities here served, uh, I asked one of the assistant pastors to do something. And it was, nothing, it was something simple, very simple. But he said, you know what? I, I need to talk to my wife and pray about it. All right. Go ahead, talk to your wife and pray about it. And he came back and, and whatever consult he had with his wife, he said, no, I don't think I want to do that, Ed. I mean, seriously, it was nothing, no big deal. It was something super easy. Another pastor wouldn't take care of it. So he said, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't think we, me and my wife wouldn't want to do that. I don't think it's for me. And, and part of my discipleship at the moment, is like, hey, man, I'm going to, or, I'm going to honor this because I think God's revealing something in your life right now. I'm going to honor in your life. But I just want you to know something. When you came on staff here, you said yes to this. I don't know where it came now where you're saying no, but you said yes when you came on and you received the worship money to provide for your family. 
You said yes to serve this congregation. You said yes to take care of this simple task. It was a simple thing. It was nothing huge. It was, I mean, I'm gonna honor if you wanna pray about it, but you know, pray about it for 30 seconds. I think it's from the Lord, it's obvious. Just do it, it's from the Lord. You know, it's kind of like what we saw in a previous message, right? You know, if your kids, when your parents say, clean up your room, don't be copping an attitude. Oh, you know, let me pray about it. I think I'll pray about it. Should I clean my, no, just clean your room, man. It's the right thing to do. Obey your parents. And, and you know, I think that there are times when you respond, the Lord has told you to do something and you go, oh, well, let me pray about it, which is kind of Christianese for, I really don't want to do it. And the answer to my fake prayer will, I'm not going to do it. The Lord told you to do it. He, he gave you directions, not sin. It's not even in the gray area. It's just like, well, you know, for example, you get a burden, you know, um, talk to the person you're standing next to. Just ask them how they're doing. Oh, I don't know. I don't, my spirit, I don't know. So, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And I don't, yeah, but the Lord told you to do it. Just do it. Well, I don't understand how, I, okay, but the Lord told you to do it. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Just do and be obedient to what God is telling you right now. And I just know there are those listening to me right now that refuse to obey God in the simplest matters. And you wonder why your home is in such disarray. You've got to go back to the simple things. You're a doulos or you're not. You're either living as one or you're not. You know, with the doulos, there was a ceremony when they paid off their debts. There was actually a ceremony. There was a ceremony where the servant would put his ear up on the doorpost of, doorpost of the home and they would take an awl and they would, like piercing your ear, they would put it in the earlobe and they would hammer that awl into the wood through the ear. You know what would happen? They would then put an earring in the opening and that would identify them as a voluntary servant of the home. There were other servants and there were voluntary servants. They have an uh, earring in their ear. But you know what else would happen? The piece of the ear at the end of the awl would stay in the doorpost. And the master would have that servant's ear. Does the Lord have your ear? Does he have your ear in his word? Does he have his, your ear in that still small voice and that inward walk of the Holy Spirit? Does he have your ear when you're challenged, when you're tested? Does he have your ear when, when he's obviously wanting to do a work of humility in your life? He's wanting to bring you back to nothingness. Why? So that he can be everythingness. I just made that word up, but it works. Nothingness, everythingness. It can't be a little bit of you and all God. You're either a doulos or you're not. But you made that choice when you were born again. You said, it's almost as if you were saying, I know you didn't use these words, but it's almost like you were saying, you know what, I've, I've lived my life to this point and it's empty. And it is, you know, for some it's destructive. I realize that God has created me in his image. I've sinned against him. And I commit my life to follow him. Who has your ear, church? Who has your ear? I did a whole study on this, if you want to look it up in Romans, about who you're listening to. Who has your ear? I'll tell you why. Whoever has your ear has you. That's why you've been changing. That's why your attitude's different. Who you've been listening to? Who you've been following? What, you, what have you been reading? Whoever has your ear has you. You become like your teacher. That's what Jesus said. You become like your teacher. And so if you got this teacher, this teacher, this teacher, all these teachers, no wonder you're so mixed up. Or if this new one caught your ear because, oh yeah, well now you're becoming like them. That's why you're different. And that's why teachers have to be careful, don't they? Don't we? Because we're going to receive a stricter judgment. Why? Because when you teach the word of God, it's serious stuff. 
You don't want to mess around with God's word. And Peter here, he's like, I'm just a bondservant. Yeah, I'm also an apostle. Yeah, he says that. Oh, I'm an apostle of Jesus. But his go-to was, I'm a bondservant. That's who I am. You want to know who I am? Oh, I hang out with Jesus. Yeah, I was one of the 12. Yeah, I'm the one he restored, man. He loved me so much, he gave me a second chance. No, I'm just a doulos. Because that's what humility will do to you. You won't ask for anything. You're just like, man, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to live my life. I just want to take, you know, you think of doulos in relationship to Jesus Christ. How about doulos in the home? What does doulos look like in the home? You're just a servant. What's doulos look like at the, at the workplace? You're just a servant. You're just known for your love and your care. And to me, it's so encouraging to know that God has called us to servant. And one more thing when I think of doulos, because I think this could be a whole Bible study in and of itself, but when I think, hear of Peter saying that he's a bondservant, I'm reminded that among us, there are no super Christians and normal Christians. There aren't those like, well, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. No, we're all the same. We're all just in a different part of our journey following Jesus. There's no commoners in the church and celebrities. You know, there's no Christian royalty where we all live behind fences and, you know, all that. Like, oh, you're untouchable. No, no, no. Everybody's in the same place. We all are in the same place. We are recipients of, the God's, of God's grace and every day, every moment. <laughs> I mean, who needs more grace among us today? Just say, give me an, like, like Kevin said, this would be a good place for amen. How many of you need a, a new, fresh anointing of grace? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a me. Like there's no celebrities here. We're all in the same boat. Oh, but Ed, you know, we see you more. That's actually not all that good. I have all these eyes looking at my life, scrutinizing my life. That means I got to live above reproach. You really want that? You really think God's called you to that? God bless you. Be faithful to it. But don't think it's going to get easier. Don't think you're going to rise above servanthood. Well, you know, Ed, well, you've been doing this 21 years. You must, you must have uh, succeeded and graduated from Dulos University. No way. The role that God has given me requires more servanthood, not less. It requires me to look for more ways to serve in my gifts and talents. But it also requires me when I see a trash can full just to go take it out. I don't stand at the trash can and say, who has left this trash can full? Commoners. You can hear God say, dude, you see it, just take it out, man. Who are you worried about? You saw, I gave you eyes to see a full trash can, so take it out. I mean, I think of some of you in your church, you know, here in our church. You see full trash cans too. What do you do with them? And you're like, well, can I take them out? Not only can you, you should. The trash can's in the corner of the parking lot. Just take it up, tie it, make sure it's not leaking. Definitely make sure it's not leaking. And just go take it to the trash under the Lord. Just say all, every step over, this is for you, Lord. It's for you. One last thing for someone else to do. And when the church is doing that, you, like, you go, well, yeah, this is trash can. Yeah, but you have trash at home too. Take that out. Dirty dishes. What you see, just start doing it under the Lord. What's the purpose? Well, it's to train you for heaven. It's to train you for heaven. Because I'll tell you what, if you see things and don't do things, you're gonna, that, every part of your life is like that. Every part of life is affected. That, that's not an isolated incident where you see something, don't do something. 
That's your life. It's not just an isolated incident that maybe you feel like that, you know, and I think this comes out the most, this comes out the most at restaurants when you're not happy with your server and you're not happy with the service and you're not happy with, now of course you can't get up and go in the kitchen and take care of that, but you can be very nice to your server. You can care about them. Maybe they're, you know, these days they're doing the work of 10 people because nobody's there. You just bless, you know, now we're back at the restaurant. Oh, I'm so happy we can be out. But now you got something else to be mad about, your server. You got something else to be mad about. Why? Because during this whole time, you became an angry, mad person. So you're going to be mad at everybody. Anybody that doesn't please you the way you want to be pleased, you're going to be mad at them. You're going to be upset with them. Why? Because that's who you are. A doulos just serves. It just, it just serves. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a bad service. Maybe they're just not doing their job right. Maybe that's true. Well, what's the Lord trying to show you about your impatience or your demanding? I mean, it's not like you can give them like a $1,000 tip. You're like mad over three bucks. Oh, we're not going to give them $3. We're going to give them $1.50. Oh, that's really going to help them in Jesus' name, isn't it? Leave a church card there too. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to teach them a lesson. Here's a little note. You know how those get posted? Here's a little note on how bad your service was in Jesus' name. All right. I mean, that, that's the body of Christ in the culture. Why is the culture so mad at the body of Christ? I could probably give you 10 reasons. And one of the 10 is me and how I've been in the flesh or I've had a bad day or how God's training me how to be more effective in this culture how I'm learning to minimize my opinions and maximize the word of God. Oh, it's not just you, and it's not just me. It's us. What is God wanting to do in us to affect this culture? And, and, and how, how attractive Jesus was as he loved people in their worst, in their weakness. That's Peter, he's the doulos. He's the doulos, I love that, no celebrities. Verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God in Jesus your Lord. That's why listening to Bible study, reading the Bible, praying, we are increasing in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of Jesus. Here, just again in verse 2, an equality between God the Father and God the Son. It's said so often that you oversee it, but this is another insight to the divinity and the deity of Jesus Christ. And notice, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Peter says the way to knowing true peace, the way to receiving real grace is knowing Jesus. If you spent your entire life getting to know Jesus and his word, through prayer and service, you would have invested your life wisely. That's all you did. If you just spent your life invested in knowing him. I want you to mark this because this is super important in verse three. It says his divine power is given to us all things. Would you just make sure that those two words are marked in your Bible and in your mind and in your heart. You and I have been given all things pertaining to life, how we live with each other, That would be considered our horizontal relationships, life, how we navigate, what decisions at work, what do we have to do in our neighborhood, uh, life, life. But also in godliness, our relationship upward, 
Everything you need to know in life and godliness, everything you need to know is found by knowing Christ. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Peter says, here's the secret. You want to know the secret? This is the secret. Know Jesus and it's all covered. Get to know him. Follow him. Listen to him. Obey him. We don't need Jesus and professionals. We don't need Jesus and drugs. We don't need Jesus and alcohol, drunkenness. We don't need Jesus and a relationship or that new relationship. Or We don't need Jesus and anything. Isn't that what we learned? Oh, isn't that what the Lord was prepping us for in Hebrews? Jesus is better, sufficient, all you need. Don't leave him. Come back to him. Wasn't that every week over and over and over again? Now Peter's just reminding us. Oh, by the way, I'll summarize, and you'll see at the end of Peter how he says some of Paul's writings are hard, which I think he's talking about Hebrews. But as he is saying that, Peter just said, you know, Paul can write a whole book that's hard to understand about Jesus is enough, but I'll just tell you right now, everything you need is found in him. Everything. You can say anything right now, and there is an answer to it found by your faith in Jesus Christ. Anything that you need. Anything. And the things that, maybe the complex things that require an answer, and maybe we don't understand the ways of God, you know, that, all that, the answer is, God is building your faith through the unknown. You have all this unknown. Some of you are waiting, man, if God just showed me, was not, I'd have such, I'll just dedicate my life. Why is this happening in my life? Why did he allow this? And it's usually coming through pain and trauma, and I'm sorry for that. But even if God explained to you exactly what's happening, it wouldn't satisfy you. Because understanding and knowledge will never satisfy you. That's why the Bible says that we're to walk by faith. And I think it was Warren Rearsby that said, we walk by faith, not by explanations. <laughs> you know, I think as a church today, you know, the world and its methods and the world's advancements and business, you know, theory and all that has invaded the church. It's infiltrated the church. Much of the church and leadership has left simplicity. Even as I was sharing with the team today in our staff meeting, you know, simplicity, it takes a lot of work to keep things simple. It's easier to live in layers of complexity, but it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort to be laser focused to keep things simple. If you don't believe me, think about some convoluted thing they do at your work that you know it's the wrong way to do it, but they just won't let go of the complexity because complexity gives control. Because if you're the only one that knows how to do something, that gives you a false sense of control. You have to surrender to Jesus and say, you know what, I know you control my life and I wanna keep things simple. I'm just gonna come to you with my problems. I'm gonna come to you with my successes. I'm gonna come to you with my marriage. I'm gonna come to you with my kids. I'm gonna come to you with my singleness. I'm just gonna keep it simple. It takes a lot of work and effort to keep things simple. In Jesus, it's not some new technique, not some new finding. It's the life that comes by being born again. In Jesus Christ, you have the principles that will change your life. When you were born again into the family of God, you were born again complete. That's what it says here. By all his divine power is given to us. We have it already. It's given to us all things because he's called us for glory and virtue. We've also, verse four, notice, been given these exceedingly great and precious promises 
that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Think of this. Promises in the Bible come in two ways. Promises you've already experienced and promises that are yet to be fulfilled. Isn't that great? Promises that you go, oh man, Lord, you have given me a promise that you will never leave me or forsake me. Well, we've experienced that both ways, haven't we? There have been episodes where we have felt and believed and received that beautiful promise that God has never left us in our worst situations. But did you know there's another difficult situation up ahead that you haven't yet experienced that promise? You have it now, but you're also going to have it in the future. I I think of the promise of eternal life when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that today, anyone listening to me, if you will repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, today you will be saved. That's a promise that you can have today and yours. You can put it in your back pocket and take it home. But then it leads to a new promise, and that's the soon return of Jesus Christ. That hasn't been experienced yet. We're still waiting for the promise. So these are exceedingly and precious to us because they either encourage us because we've experienced them or they encourage faith in us because we know if God's been faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future. So God has you you covering your past, he has you covering your present, and he also has you covering your future. Why? Because in Jesus, the knowledge of him have given you all things to pertaining to life and godliness. I can't do that for you. I can't give you all things. I can't answer all your questions. I can't solve all your problems. I can't heal all your pain. But I know Jesus Christ is faithful to give you all of that and more as you place your faith in him. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow. That's the promise of faith in Jesus Christ, that he will give you the strength to endure Everything we need to live a life of godliness is provided for us by God and accessed through an abiding life in Jesus. We can't live that life in our own strength. As Zechariah writes in chapter 4, verse 6, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And then he says, you laid the capstone and you're going to see it finished, he told him. That's the next verse. You laid the cornerstone and you're going to see it finished. (laughs) That's so good. What a precious promise. The false teachers then and now, those that want to take advantage of your vulnerability, those that want to capitalize on your fear, those that want to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto their new novel criticism, their new novel opinion, their new novel, whatever it is. I mean, you should be able to know, church, when you're watching something and it doesn't edify you and it's not the fruit of the Spirit, just stop it. Stop. It's ruining you and it's ruining the church because you're bringing that with you. You can't think you're going to be thrown, like, it's like ink. You know, that, that kind of stuff, the false teachings, the weird teachings, even people, like it's like ink that throws all, and you're just going to be, it's like the ink they put when you rob a bank, man. And then you go, and they, how do you know the guy that robbed the bank? The dude has purple all over him. Hey, what happened to you? Oh, it's just a birthmark. No, man. You robbed a bank. How do you know? You don't, you don't, you weren't. It's all over you. Keep your eyes on the Lord, church. I like to say, keep your knees down in prayer and your noses in the book. 
Why? Because every moment you spend in the word of God, you are accessing the knowledge that God has for you to, to be a partaker of the divine nature. And the partaker of the divine nature includes signs, wonders, miracles, healing, strength, power. But you know, all those things are nothing without the love that God gives you. Can I show you that as we close? Would you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? All knowledge, all wisdom, all healing, all spiritual gifts, whatever all you might be holding on to today, listen to what Paul writes, this, fact, this church filled with division, this church filled with factions. Listen to this. Verse one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not, say with me church, Okay, let's try it again. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have, listen, all faith, so I can remove mountains, but I have not, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not, love it profits me nothing this is what you want to look for what you want to listen for what you want to live love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself is not puffed up love doesn't behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked thinks no evil Love, does, verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is the will of God for your life, church. This is the will of God. This is the answer to your prayer. Love never fails. Father, we want to be men and women like Peter, that are remembered not because of our failure, but because of your faithfulness. We desire, God, to humble ourselves before you, but, you know, you're also humbling us. We just embrace it. It's not easy. It's hard. We're... Forgive us, Lord. I love my church. I love this family, church family. I love serving but Lord, it's grieving my heart to see the division, the difficulty. And I'm not even on social media. I can't imagine what's happening there. And so I just pray you show mercy on your church. I show you show mercy on us, Lord. It's a hard world to live in right now. So many things, so many challenges, so, many un so much that's unfair, unjust. What are you trying to show us, Lord? What are you trying to draw out of us that we might be more loving, more merciful? We don't want to be a bunch of clinging symbols. We don't, we don't want to, to, to have this noise that makes, a, makes our ears ring. But rather we want all faith and love. We want all prophetic words but love. We want to speak in tongues with love. We want to bestow our goods to the poor and love. 
And so, Lord, help us and encourage us and strengthen us when it comes to this area of agape. Thank you for Peter in my life. Can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to talk to him. I don't know how it's all going to be in heaven, Lord, but after I see my boy and my parents, I'm going to go see Peter, Paul, maybe Dorcas, just that faithful sister in the book of Acts. Maybe there's a whole section of just unknown prayer warriors. I want to go meet them. People that pray I don't even know, never met, but they've been the fuel of this church. I want to meet the folks that forgive me and and, uh, have patience with me and my own weaknesses and failures. Lord, pour a spirit of mercy on our church. I don't want any pastors to quit, Lord, even though I know you're doing a work in their lives. I don't want any more marriages to dissolve, but man, even the strongest. So Lord, show mercy. Show mercy upon us. Pour your grace out on us, Lord. Make us doulos. Make us the voluntary committed servants that are surrendered. Not because we have to, but because you've captivated us by love. We are compelled to surrender our lives to you. We don't sign off on a church. We don't sign some pack where I commit myself to the church. No way. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. You're our leader, our pastor, our shepherd. And we want to follow you all the days of our life. If you're here today never giving your life to Jesus, that's it. God wants you to experience his love today. So if that's you, would you just stand to your feet? And, and tonight, I just want you to stand up and walk to the stage. I think that's what God has for you. God has for you that you, you need to make a public confession of your faith, and it's going to be right up here with me. And I'll come down, I'll pray with you, and you will leave here a man or a woman. Many, I believe, that this is the day that the Lord has made for you to come from death into life, from sin into forgiveness. And so if you're here today, I would invite you right where you are. Just get up out of your seat and come on up to the stage. I want to pray with you that this would be the moment, that this would be the time for you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life right now in this room. You guys on the radio or you're near here, drive over here. We'll be here for a while. Drive on over here. Hampton and um, Tower, right by the Safeway. Come on over. The Lord's ready to meet you. There'll be people here to pray with you. You're downstairs, come on upstairs. You're in the agape room, we'll, we'll even respect the distance. You keep your face covering on, we'll come up, we'll, we'll pray with you by keeping distance and, and ministry to you. It's all right, we can, you can get saved six feet away or six inches, it doesn't matter, the Lord loves you. It doesn't matter. What matters is you and where are you going to be in your life? Where will you spend eternity? That's the question. That's what matters. Anyone here? I want to give you that chance so you know that today is a day that the Lord's invited you into a relationship with Him. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.